I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal! On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. A great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First hand here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Yo, people, yo, people, welcome back to another episode of the New Spurs Order Pod. Apologies, we are getting this to you later than usual. But listen, circumstances out of our control, busy lives, you get it. We're all working adults and sometimes shit doesn't come on time, but it still comes regardless, which is what we need to focus on today. And I'm not pausing for anything as wild as some of those sentences sounded. I am not pausing for anything. This is still an anti-pause zone. Yeah, I'm joined by a regular co-host, man. Owen, what are you doing, man? Aside from building your hair transplant Instagram page. Hello there. Yeah, yeah. I'm building a little hair transplant consultancy thing um, for males that may or may not want to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't seen you in my DMs yet, but that's fine. Like, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'll rock the board. I'll rock no, the board. Look, bro. What Yao said on the last pod, <laughs> it was probably true. Uh, it was probably <laughs> true. Um, other than that, yeah been busy try, trying to brush up on the video editing skills it's so tedious man but we're getting there yeah man listen um enough about hair stuff and let's talk about the football man Coppen was spend like the first like 20 minutes of their pod talking about hair 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 dynamics right we're not doing that today we're talking about spurs man and i feel like it's been a very it's been a very um interesting couple of weeks for spurs right obviously we had um two defeats back-to-back in the Premier League before the international break. We come back from the international break and we discover there's more injuries, more issues. Um, and we played Aston Villa most recently in the in the previous weekend. That's just gone. And we lost the game uh, 2-1, right? And we had more injuries. But listen, it's just been, it's been interesting. I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like every single loss has been different, right? I felt nasty after the Chelsea loss, but I got over it very quickly because of the u- extremely unique circumstances. I felt nastier about the Wolves' result, but at the same time, couldn't really complain too much because they deserve to win. This one, it stung. The defeat stung, but I don't know. I felt a little bit. I felt a little bit optimistic about the type of manager we have in the dugout after this 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 defeat. As as weird and as like. Like Yerda, as that sounds, it's just how I felt, man. How how did you feel, um, or how are you feeling off the back of the the recent run of results? Circumstantial for the most part. I was really disappointed with the Wolves' performance, to be honest. But um, I thought it was again just circumstantial, just having to play Dyer centre back, and then Hoybjerg had to come in play six. Um, in the end, after we had another injury, so. I was hoping just to see something. I was confident of a win at home against Villa, but and then again, um, we had another injury in the build-up to that, like no Sar, obviously a big blow again. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's like we're going to lose him to the African Cup of Nations anyway. Like, why do we have to lose him for the few games leading up to it as well? Mm. Really annoying. Um, but I was just hoping to see something which resembled more like an Ange team. I fully expected Dyer to be dropped. And lo and behold, he was. And yeah, I just, as soon as I saw the lineup for the Villa game, I just thought, okay, yeah, we're going to look to at least get back to playing a more kind of Ange progressive type of way. Yeah. Fair. So, yeah, I felt better about us actually having a go, even though when I saw the lineup for the Villa game, truth be told, I thought we would be losing 2 0 at half time. I couldn't believe I was seeing. Oh, actually, to be fair, I would have started Ben Sanker. Um, see, seeing Lacelso and Kozewski as the eights, I just thought to myself, we're just going to lack so much control, but we're going to have a kind of Spurs heritage type go, maybe even draw like 4 4 or something, uh, like the 125th anniversary game. And at least if we lose, we're kind of doing it in a way where we're kind of building towards something once we actually get our players back, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I do think though. I do think that the, the Aston Villa game, I was confident that we were going to win as well. But um, I think my confidence sort of was in the belief in the manager and what he's trying to do more so than the actual players that we had missing. Because when you look at the players that we had missing and how good Aston Villa have been this season, a lot of people were predicting Aston Villa to win, and obviously they won. In the end of the day, the result is the most important thing about the about the game in isolation. But I do think we didn't deserve to lose that game of football personally. Um, however, when you don't take your chances, you get punished. We're in the most expensive football league in the world for a reason. Every team has, every team with exception of Luton, Sheffield United and um, and maybe Burnley, probably Burnley, have enough at their, at their disposal that if you are on top in a game of football and you have chance after chance after chance and you don't put it away or you put, don't put them away, sorry, you're likely to get burnt. And that's what happened to Spurs. Um, I do think the makeshift team, it was interesting, man. I was I was actually quite happy with it. All things considered, with the players that we were missing, like you said, I was happy to see no die-off starting at the back because I think he would have been easy food for Ollie Watkins. I was happy to not see Hoybier start, to be honest, uh, even though I... You know me and and where I stand on Hoybier, but I was very happy to to not see him start. And your point with Benton Core, yes, ideally you don't want to be throwing him in to start so soon after coming back from injury, especially against one of the most physical teams in the league. However, we had to rip the band-aid off because we just were down to bare bones. We 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 had to play him. Like there was no way on earth Hoybier was gonna give us anywhere near the stability or the or the thrust. Um, with the ball at his feet in comparison to Bentoncourt. When Bentoncourt plays in our team, he quickens play. He He's way more press resistant, way more comfortable receiving under pressure and and, and, and can actually dribble out of pressure as well and, and get the ball moving forward. I do think Hoybier does have his uses. Like he can come on, come off the bench and he can ping a couple of passes. He, he can be relatively progressive when there's not much pressure on him. And he's coming to, to to keep the ball moving, but in a game of this magnitude, right? We, from a defensive perspective, we were going to be lacking playing Hoybier there versus versus Bentoncourt. So I was happy he went with Bentoncourt, and I I feel like I feel like Angie's Angie's tactics should have paid dividends, right? Because I felt the first half we were all over them. Like how Aston Villa ended ended entered that half one one was beyond me. Like we had. Within the first two minutes, we should have been tuning up. Destiny Adogi missing, completely skying an opportunity. Good pass from, from Poro. Kulisevsky doing everything right, getting to the ball first. Good physical strength to brush um, Pau Torres off the ball, chopping Diego Carlos back to wherever he's from in South America. And the goal is gaping. The goal is gaping. You've done everything right. You've got to finish. And it's just... It's, that that was symptomatic of our performance. We did a lot of good things, but we were lacking the killer instincts that we needed to punish Aston Villa. Because in all honesty, we could have scored about four or five goals in the first half. We were peppering them, absolutely peppering them. Like, I'm not saying that Aston Villa didn't have any threat. I think they did. They carried a threat all game and it showed. The physicality that they had from set pieces was evident. Like They clearly had bigger guys than us in the box, right? 
every aerial duel inside the box, I was worried because I knew they were going to win most of them, right? They were going to win most of the aerial duels. Um, they came close with Pau Torres earlier on in the half. And then obviously he got um, he got a second attempt at it, courtesy of a great free kick from Douglas Luiz towards the stroke of halftime. And we're unfortunately going into the break 1-1, man. I don't know. I just, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame for me because I felt like had we had our finishing boots on, they would have been three or four nil down. Honestly, genuinely, they would have been three or four nil down. It was nuts, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Nuts. What did you make of the first half performance in the second half, anyway? Well, yeah, we gotta be dangerous when talking about like, oh, we should have deserved to win. Like, obviously, we're gonna be straying into Doctor Strange territory, as mentioned on the main pod a few weeks ago. But we were really, really positive. So much off the ball movement as well. It was continuous throughout. Like we just didn't see that versus Wolves at all continuous off the ball movement even when they weren't receiving that, those brave passes those constant runners in behind especially from the eights um and and the wing back so that was obviously really good to see and ultimately our rhythm got ruined by matty cash being a cunt and that's unfortunate and hoiberg came on he i don't even think hoiberg did bad to be fair the drop off was clear, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but I didn't mind the lack of control we had. I thought Kulizewski kind of came into that role really, really naturally well. Um, I, I felt like he did stray to the right wing quite a lot, but I feel like that was probably by design. Le Celso was he surprised me a lot. Like, I, I, yeah. I even tweeted, I, I cannot actually get over his performance. Like, I thought he was going to be very very limited for us i thought he'd only be able to play a simple like five yard infield pass on the left foot from the left side like nothing ever but he showed way more i was seeing him pick the ball up and build up making really good decisions like he'd play one touch two touch when he needed to he would dribble out of pressure when he needed to he's playing expensive passes when he needed to and when he could and then he obviously got the goal for us as well. And if you, yeah, it was deflected, but if you don't shoot, you don't score. Mm. Um, it was just unfortunate. And you've got to give Aston Villa a bit of credit because their offside trap was uh, working by design as well. Caught Son off way too many times, if you're looking at it from a Sun perspective. Um, scoring a hat-trick of offside. This is why I actually felt sorry for Huibier for the first offside goal because he didn't do much wrong. He... Obviously, got us playing out, showed some thrust with some good off-the-ball movement, kept it one touch, two touch, and we had yeah. Son through on goal. He played it as soon as he could, but Son had already gone. It was just annoying. Um, but, yeah, Indeed. credit to Villa and the high line in the end, because if they hadn't have done that and we had been finishing better, it, honestly, it could have been 4-5. Do you So, so with Aston Villa, it's, it's, it's definitely high-risk, high-reward, right? So you've got, the, you've got the, the reward where they did catch Son offside several times and I do think sometimes it was really good play from the high line but I also think sometimes it was really poor play from Sun I'll be real yeah it was it was that Hoybier one like there was nobody else he was going to pass to like you don't, to go. Go, you don't need to go early I think who did he have on that on that side he had Diego Carlos you are going to beat Diego Carlos in the foot race you don't need to go early the ball's going to come to you it's going to come to you and he just went too early and and then the goal gets rightly ruled out offside, man. I just felt it was a really, really poor performance from Sun. But even Aston Villa's on the high line thing, it was highly risky because we were ex we were consistently getting in behind the defence and we were onside a couple of times. Porro was onside. Destiny was onside. Kulisewski was onside. Um, um, Brian Hill was onside. So many players were onside in moments where we were, we were routinely getting in behind the defence. So, I do think they got off scot free to a certain extent because of our finishing, but I also commend them for, for and Emery as well for adjusting at half time and making the most of their of their bench because I felt like we it was very much a case of this team that Ange has fielded that that, that starting eleven plus Hoybier, you have to win us this game of football. If you don't win us this game of football, we've not really got enough off the bench because of the injuries to change the game in our favour. And I felt like that's what transpired in the second half. I actually think we had most of the control in the first half. I felt Aston Villa couldn't really 
couldn't really get to grips with the game, despite carrying a threat offensively through, I think it was one chance of Oli Watkins, then the offside goal, then the Pau Torres headers. Aston Villa, on the ball, they were getting pressed, they were getting suffocated. And I felt like we actually controlled that game well in the first half. It's the second half where I felt they got much more of a foothold into the game. I felt like Tielemans was a big sub for them. He came on, put his foot on the ball, allowed them to play football. Um, and I felt like as players were getting tired, our press became a bit more passive. And I think you could see that, you could see the culmination of that, even in the second goal as well. We say that Hoybier didn't have a bad game, right? But in the second goal, he's literally just staring at Tielemans and Oli Watkins player one, two. You see the gap between Ben Davies and and um, Emerson Royale. Mm. It's too big. It's too big, right? Someone like Oli Watkins, experienced Premier League striker, it's baby food for him. He got in between the space. No one got too no one got close to him. By the time we've sensed the danger, bang, it's it's two one. And I felt good like finish. it was a good finish, definitely. And I felt like once they the good thing I'll say about Aston Villa is once they went ahead, even though we still look threatening, I think they were able to sort of whether whether whatever storm we could throw at them. And I felt like especially in the last five five minutes and then the injury time, I felt like they practically nullified any threat that we had. But I also think it was a combination of us just not having enough off the bench. I mean, look at his substitutions. He he brought on Oliver Skip, right? To to when you're chasing a game of football. I meant I feel like, yeah, man, if we were gonna win, it was it would have to be the first eleven to do the job. And I, and I just felt because we didn't take those chances, the, the, the players were knackered, man. The players were knackered. So, mm. I don't know, man. Um, I did like your your assessment on the players that came in, though. So, let's talk about them. Because Brian Hill, Benton Core, um, Brian Hill, Benton Core, and um, Lo Celso. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm as surprised as you with Lo Celso's performance. I thought he was really good. That's probably mm. the best... That might be the best Lasalle performance I've seen in a Spurs shirt since um, since the Jose campaign. I can't remember a game. There was a game. I, I think it was Brighton at home. He came off the bench. He was really, really, really good. There was another game um, in early 2020 where he played really well. That's the best game of football I've seen from Lasalle in a Spurs shirt in like two years, bro. Yeah, it might have been more than two years. To be fair. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's it's literally been uh, probably since his initial loan spell before we made the deal permanent. That that's the best game I've seen him play, and I couldn't name you the opponents, but it's been a while. Um, yeah, just like just to add on what I said earlier about the Celso, like it was just surprising to me that he had like I I just assumed that he would play as the more attacking eight and. The, someone else would end up taking the role of that box-to-box soul that Saar uh, vacated. Mm. Um, but yeah, he ended up playing more of the kind of box-to-box role and he actually had this really, really good awareness of where he was on the pitch. Like It it was so surprising to me because whenever he's played in a special before, he literally doesn't look like he knows where he is. He gets clamped straight away. He doesn't realise he doesn't have as much time on the ball as he does in, say, La Liga. And um, he would just get his pocket pips pretty much all the time. And, yeah, just to see his awareness and his decision-making and his quality on show was really reassuring. And Ben Sankur oh, showed yeah. how he's probably like, the best midfielder on that pitch. Uh, he's probably clear. He was getting involved with everything. Off the ball, he was great. He was making really good decisions as the six, which there was a lot of debate before we um, started him as well, right? Like, can he play mm. the six for us? Well, like, we know he's going to be able to play eight, like, no problem. But can he play that disciplined six role? Yeah. He was everywhere. Um, yeah. And Brian Hill, um, I didn't think he was bad. He wasn't. Um, I thought he was bright in the first half, but just decision making was a bit. Mm. Yeah, just a little bit rushed. Like I would just like to have said a little bit more composure from him. But other than that, like I think he he was fine. I just didn't ever feel like he was like a massive goal threat, even when he had that chance. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just a very tame kind of shot. Like you never felt like it was going to go in. If you, uh, he did put in a good cross for Sun. To be fair. 
Yeah, um, Son should have ate, man. He should have ate there. Sorry, he should have ate. Other than that, like, I don't think it's bad. I, I got to let him off a little bit because he's not really... Has, is that his first start for us this season? Yes, it is. Yeah, like, as a, like, amongst a few other people who have started their first games for the first time this season. So, mm. yeah, I don't think it was bad. Definitely a performance to build on. But, yeah, we'll see how he does against City if he plays. Yeah, man, it'll be interesting. Picks. Yeah, I, to be fair, I, I agree with your assessment. Um, I thought that 31 minutes that we saw from Benton Call was majestic, man. It was wow. special. It was special. It was special. Like, it gave us a glimpse of, of what we what we missed. He was easily the best midfielder on that football pitch in a team with Douglas Louise, who's been on, on smoke, um, McGinn, who's been fantastic, Kamara, who's been great. He was making them look like like kids, bro. Like he was fantastic. Mm. And I felt I, I do feel I do feel a lot of sympathy for for Benton Corman. It's really tough what's happened to him off the back of that nasty challenge from Matty Cash. And he will get his. Not from me, because I, I I ain't a Premier League professional footballer, but he will get his. You know what? I believe in Carmel, right? What goes up must come down, right? You have done damage to one of our players again. He's out for two and a half months. Intentionally as well. Intentionally as well, yeah. Um, you will get yours. You will get yours. Like, players, some football players, they don't forget about this shit. Do you remember when, um, I'm not comparing it. In fact, I'm not even going to mention it, but like we've seen these things happen, right? Players, they have, they have long memories, right? And Matty Cash will get his. Believe that, right? But Benton Core was fantastic. Um, yeah, man, it's it's it, it's kind of um, it's it's actually so it's so sad because even Ange Postecoglou's his latest press conference ahead of this Man City game, he spoke about how he was he actually said, "Oh man, like the plans I had for 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 Benton Core and Basuma together, like the plans I had, like it was going to be something." And now we've got to wait another two and a half months. But I think we can take heart from the fact that. One, it's not in the same affected area that, that had him X'd all the mm. way back in February. And two, we can take solace in the fact that, yo, this guy still looks like he's got it, right? Because that's 30 minutes against Spurs, 80, 86 minutes against for Uruguay against Bolivia, I believe. Obviously, two different types of games in terms of intensity. Yeah, and played 30 well. minutes against Argentina as well. Yeah, which... exactly. And, and quality of opposition, but... It's looking like, yo, it's looking like Benton Core has not really. There's not. It's, it looks like what makes Benton Core Benton Core is still there, right? You know, some players they come back from long-term knee injuries, and it takes them quite a while to to get back to levels. It seems like those the, the levels are still there, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it was going to be a worry. Um, I was convinced that it would take a while for him to to get back up to speed to get that sharpness back. Um, but I, I guess those international games acted like a little mini preseason for him. I think he ended up playing three games in total, like a couple thirty-minute cameos, and then started um, the last game. Um, was that the ninety-minute game against Bolivia? Um, must have been. Again, like it doesn't matter about quality of opposition that much to me, as long as you've got those minutes in your legs and you're playing. I mean, it's still an intense game. I think they were qualifiers, right? So. Yeah. They were going to be somewhat competitive, even if it's a shit team. And yeah, just him getting those minutes in his legs would have acted like a good preseason for him. And it's just a shame that it's um, yeah. come to this like two and a half months. It's like I would have been able to take a couple of weeks. I would have been like, oh, fucking hell. Okay, that was bound to happen. We risked starting him anyway. It was a bit of a 50 you 50. Know, that's fucking two and a half months. And then uh, during a time where we've got our other two starting midfielders out away on international duty, it's, yeah. it's such a kick. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a killer, man. It's, it's, and it leaves us in a really bad spot now because obviously Basuma comes back, which is fantastic. Obviously, we need him to get back to the levels he was showing earlier on this season. But in general, Basuma is a significant uplift on anyone else who would have played there outside of Benton course. So... It's great to have him back ahead of Man City. But then when you look at the rest of the midfield, we've still got Madison injured, right? We've still... Benton Cole now is injured for two and a half months. Papi Matasar out with a hamstring injury, right? Two guys who were integral to how we were playing 
um, when we when we hadn't lost the game this season in the Prem. And then one guy who's been integral in, in, in a lot of the good things that Spurs have done since he's come at the club. So we've lost three big midfielders there to injury. Um, and then when you look at the options available, obviously Lacelso he surprised us. And now he's looking like he must play. He must start in these games. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at essentially Hoybier, who's proven that he can do a job coming off the bench to keep games ticking, or you play him against a very, like, low, low-threatening team. Someone like a Fulham, for instance, right? But you can't really be starting Hoybier against a Wolves in the six. You can't start him against a Man City in the six. You can't start him in these type of games in the six because he just gets exposed defensively. So we're stuck with Hoybier or Skip. And I'll be wrong. Skip, sorry, there may be some use for him this season, but at this point in time where the teams were playing, I just don't see how he... Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. He he brings something that that this iteration of Tottenham could do with, um, especially with the teams that were playing. So it's really it's really going to be a, a grind over the next couple of weeks, to be honest, uh, for the manager and for the players. Lacelso is going to have to get through a lot of football, and we have to hope that he doesn't get injured, right? Basuma, we're going to need him to be a, we're going to need him to have a lot more discipline, right? Because we can't afford to lose him. Um, Hoybia, we're going to need him to be less le- reckless when he comes on. I actually think the player that I'm somewhat looking forward to seeing the most um, because of his performance against Aston Villa is Kulisevsky in the central role because I thought he was fantastic. I know he should have scored and. It still irks me, and I think that's symptomatic of Kulisevsky this past year, where it's just like that final action is still lacking in terms of your finish or your decision-making. But I felt against Aston Villa, he was excellent, man. He was excellent. I felt like his playmaking was good, really committing um, players, wanting to take on players constantly. Obviously, he was jugging from the right, jugging from central positions, like he was just a constant threat, and he was tireless, like... Obviously, it gets spoken about, but his work rate is absolutely insane, man. Like the, the amount of work that that guy gets through in a game of 90 minutes and still has the energy to go at teams towards the end, it's incredible. So for me, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Kulisevsky play as an interior, man. Um, and then if it, does, if it doesn't work or we need to switch things up, we can do what we did against Aston Villa and just move him back to, back to the right, man. But yeah, um, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks for our, not just our defence, but our midfield, man. I'm midfield. You talk talk to me about the defense. Oh God. Um <laughs> do you know what? I thought this is obviously now in hindsight, but I feel like we would have probably got away with playing Dyer against Aston Villa. Um, considering we pretty much like conceded if we don't concede that goal in the end of half time, I don't think we we lose or even draw that game. I think we fully just go on to win. Um Eric Dyer, just just that whole aerial situation is doing me in a bit because Man City are a team full of giants now. Like it goes under the radar a bit, but you've got people like Akanji, Ake, Diaz, like anyone can just come and score ahead of Rodri's prolific now as well. Like mm. um we like even if we manage to shut Man City out, we are gonna concede the set piece. Um, yeah. if we manage to shut them out from open play because we are just that sort of thing. Like Emerson Royale, bless him, like he's usually good defensively, but um him and Ben Davis together from set yeah, pieces really. is not the one. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think Ben Davis offers us enough on the ball to be able to continue starting. Like I don't think the trade off for him being he's been okay defensively, but I don't think the trade off is worth it if we're going to get eaten alive aerially I think so what you would you'd play Dyer over Davies 
I don't think I would, you know. It's as if I'm taking it on a game by game basis, and uh, I don't know. I, don't think I, I think I'm gonna have to start Davis still just so we can carry on playing the Ange way, and then we have that continuity for when Mickey yeah. comes back. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just wrestling with that as we speak now, to be honest. But yeah, I'd have to end up starting Davis. I would. Oh God, I don't think I just don't like Dyer right centre back. I don't not, like Dyer in a back two. I think he can only be good in the back three. But I he shouldn't play. He shouldn't play. I'm sorry, like he shouldn't play. Like I think the managers made it clear he's you're just not for me. Like you're too you're too static off the ball, slow, and most importantly, like he's just not a smart defender. Like say yeah. what you want to say about Emerson. Say what you want to say about Emerson. Like, he's not... Emerson is poor on the ball, in my opinion, outside of the first phase. And even the first phase, it's it's competent. It's not even competent. It's average. Like, you're just about decent, right? But, but he can defend. And he doesn't get... He doesn't get flustered by PMP. Like, I just... For me, I'm just I'm just tired of seeing Eric Dyer in the starting lineup for Spurs. And, and, and listen, when he's played for Spurs, it's not even like he's been awful or anything, even though he has cost Spurs. He was awful against Wolves. Well, I, in the yeah. last six minutes. But this is this is what I'm saying. He was awful in the last six minutes, right? But the problem is Dyer's just Dyer, and Dyer being Dyer means that a team will always have an out, no matter what. We could have a great game of football and a team will always have an out because he's on the pitch. And I'm just tired of having that handicap. So if the manager chooses to to play these games knowing that there's a height risk, I'll go. I'm, I'm with it, man. I'm with it because I don't see, I don't see, like the trade-off for me isn't, isn't that deep. Like I don't see Eric Dyer beating Ruben Diaz in the air, even though he, even though his aerial dual percentage is good, right? How many goals? How many goals did Spurs? He's, he's done okay against Haaland in previous fixtures, which is why I was wrestling with it a bit. But mm. listen, if he, plays, if he plays, it's the manager's decision, and I, I, I have to respect the manager's decision. But yeah, man, I, I'm just tired of seeing Eric Dyer. Honestly, I, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. Fair. I wanted to get your opinion on something which happened in the Villa game. Or yeah. not something, but just the dynamic of our two wingers. And how did you feel like Brendan Johnson did from right compared to how he did on the left? I, f- I don't know. I felt like I felt like with Brennan, yeah, when he gets on the ball, like it feels like the opposition, they're threatened by what he can do. I, I, I've seen that in a fair amount of games where he gets on the ball and it feels like guys are backing off because they don't want to get too close because I think they, they feel like he can cause some damage but I felt like in the first half he was probably one of the players that needed I felt needed to get more involved in the game of football I didn't think he was offering us as much I felt like he looked a lot brighter when he went on the left hand side in the second half I felt like obviously that chance really good play from him great save from Martinez in the second half and I felt like he was able to sort of like tussle with Konza like Konza's a very physical guy and he was able to tussle with Konza get past him as well so I felt like he did well on the on the left better than he did on the right. And I felt like Kulisevsky, I mean, Brian Hill, we've spoken about Brian Hill. I felt like Kulisevsky, the same thing. He was cooking on the in the, in the interior, even though he was basically playing mostly on the right. And then in the second half where he was stationed on the right, he was he was doing a good job, man. Um, I was, I just feel like with our wingers, with our wingers and with our fr- with our front man, we just needed them to score, man. We needed them to to score. Um, like you can't be dominant for as much as the game as we were and not put away your chances. Like Sai made a great point on the weekend. I don't want to be Brighton. I don't want to be one of these teams who plays oh great football and not doesn't stick away their chances. Like put away these teams when you're on top. X the game. Mm. X the game and take it away from them because. We've said a million times in the Prem, this league is the most unforgiving league in the world, right? You could be on top for 89 minutes of a game and one minute when you're not on top, it could cost you. Yeah, it can. It'll be interesting. I mean, with the kind of defence as well, we, I guess we kind of have to just roll with the continuity side of it and do what Ange wants to do because, I mean, effectively, I'm assuming... 
that this is a write-off game for you as well. Like, it's, if we're going to lose, then we might as well lose doing something Ange wants rather than... This is it. This is it. Yeah. And I think we, we that brings me on to a point I wanted to raise, right? Because I feel like there's been a lot of talk, expectedly, now that Spurs are losing about Ange Postacoglu's style, right? When we were mm. winning and we were unbeaten, it was great. He was the toast of the Premier League. He was the darling that everyone liked. Now, three games lost with all these injuries. Oh, he's a bit naive. Oh, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Oh, he needs to change X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, mm, well, you were praising this guy for sticking to his principles. And now at the moment, the, the first moment of, it's not even the first moment because I felt like he's dealt with a lot so far this season. But like when we've gone through or when we're going through a real injury crisis of sorts you want him to just abandon everything that he's telling these guys to perfect what type of message does that send to the squad i just feel like yes there definitely needs to be some compromising games right like and postacoku for again for instance against chelsea you can still try and carry a semblance of threat in the game but you can also understand that when you are two man less in comparison to the opposition you're not going to be able to put as much pressure on the opposition, right? So the, the the pressing approach that you want to go with is not going to be, is not going to work, right? And you also need to recognise that you can't play, like even what he did against Chelsea. Chelsea, he completely switched from what he's done all season. Chelsea, he basically had our entire team in a straight line, right? Trying to, trying to catch Chelsea offside with slow coaches at the back. It was never going to work, right? So in that circumstance, for me, that's not changing your style. That's just that's just that's just not being careless, right? I I fully believe Ange Postecoglou knew what he was doing. It was just a very reckless tactic. That's completely different to being able to stamp your style on a game of football because that continuity is what's going to reverberate through the team, right? And that's what they're going to carry game to game, no matter the opposition they're playing with. And that's why we hired him. So I don't really understand why we're now asking a man to do something that he wasn't employed to do, right? I get it. The best managers in the world, they can adapt. And I do think Ange Postacoglu, it will be his Achilles heel. If he can't, if he can't flex under extraordinary circumstances like Chelsea, but when it's 11 v 11, why are you asking a guy to not go for a game of football? Every single Spurs mm. fan complained last season where we were winning games, but we weren't playing well. I don't get it. We were winning games, but we weren't playing well because we were not laying as much as a glove on the opposition as we wanted to. We were we were scumbagging results, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually, these things have a way of balancing themselves out. And when they balance themselves out, boy, oh boy, did we, did we face it, right? Boy, oh boy, were we mudded. So now, I would much rather a manager who's going into a game that we're probably not going to win with the attitude that he's going to try and win this game of football. I'm with it. I'm absolutely with it because what's going to happen if we sit back? What's going to happen? Man City <laughs> still probably win the game of football, only we just don't go for it. So which one would you rather? Spurs go for it and lose or Spurs Spurs sit back and lose? Yeah, and it's it sounds a little bit corny as well, but I think this is all about, obviously, not just the continuity for Ange, but just building that relationship back up with the fans, like, no one wants to go and see that type of football traveling up to Manchester 100. to view a game as well. Like you need to get the fans on side. And I guess if there was ever a kind of um, a Tottenham ID, what was uh, the phrase being banned around like our ID or DNA or whatever it was, the if there was way. ever the Spurs a Spurs way. way, it was always naively going for games and being on the front foot and then we'll try and outscore an opponent. And if that is what the fans want, then by all means. And I, I agree with Ange anyway. Like, I think when you keep that continuity in place, by the time, we, again, like I said earlier in the part, like by the time we get the 11 fully fit and obviously the first choice 11, then it should roll out similar results to how we started the first nine games of the Premier League season. Yeah, man. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I think I'm not worried about the manager. If anything, that Aston Villa performance 
gave me more belief in the manager, right? You're making me think Lasso can do a job for us all of a sudden. You got Brian Hill playing playing well. You've got a back four of Emerson Royale, Davies, Porro, and Destiny, and you're squeezing the opposition, right? Pummeling one of the best sides in the in the league in that first half at times. So I've got all the belief in Andrew Postacoglu, man. I really do. And I, I think he's gonna do he's gonna do some really good things at Spurs. Um I think he can end our our trophy drought. In fact, I I'm I think he can end our trophy drought provided he's given the tools and resources that he needs as a manager. I, I genuinely have that much belief in him. And I think looking ahead to this game against Man City, right, I've thrown caution to the wind and I've gone for a 2-2 draw on the big six, right? I don't really believe it. I feel like we have just won too many injuries to win this game of football. However, right, the last time we were three losses on the spin with Antonio Conte heading to this game. Of course, we had a Harry Kane, which we don't have now. We won the game 3-2 and it was a Harry Kane masterclass. So it could be a battering. It, it might not be. I don't know. Like, it's whatever, right? I'm going to be one of those fans that you just mentioned earlier on that's going to be at the game tomorrow. And I want to see my team go for the game. I want to see my team go for the game of football. If we lose, at least we've tried, right? Because nobody expects Spurs to go there and win anyway. Even if we had a full team available, nobody, apart from some Spurs fans, would say, oh, yeah, Spurs are going to rock up to the Etihad and win. When was the last time Man City lost at the Etihad? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's been Brentford. over 25 games, hasn't it? Brentford it must have been that Ivan Tony performance just before yeah. the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brentford, Brent, Brentford, Brentford last season, right? So have, have, have a go for it. Have a go with it. Listen, this comment from YG, big up YG, he says, I do think eventually Andrew will have to adapt his tactics if his tactics get found out, which I think it hasn't. He just lacks the quality of team we saw it before the Chelsea game. I think that's that's true, but that's a different that's a different conversation to now. I feel like that's not compromising the philosophy. Exactly. Which is what I think the criticism is. Exactly. Exactly. Like people want him to just completely abandon everything he's teaching these guys. I think every manager should be able to mix it up when your plan A isn't isn't working, right? And this whole belief that he doesn't mix mix things up at, at Spurs is ridiculous to begin with. If I look at some of the games we've played this season, at Arsenal, were we playing anywhere near as a dangerous high line as we did against Chelsea with nine men? No. But Bournemouth, the moment Bournemouth were sticking it on us and pinning us back, he made a, he made multiple subs to stem the, the, the tide with Hoybier, mm. with Perisic, etc., etc. Against Man United, he wasn't so recklessly high with, with, with a high line. I think people are... People, once they have a narrative right? They just run with that narrative and they don't really apply the context. If you look at several games Spurs have had with Antipas Tocoglu, his in-game management has, has actually been spot on. With exception of the last few, his in-game management has been spot on because it's allowed us to either regain a foothold in the game or completely nullify the opposition. When we were going reckless, when we had 10 men against Luton, eventually, eventually, he made those subs and we were a lot more, <laughs> we were a lot more defensively stable. He brought on Davies, he brought on Skip in addition to Hoybier and we, we, we became more compact. So I don't buy this notion that Ange Postacoglu, oh, he's this, he's this naive manager. He isn't, he isn't. He just wants to try and go for some games and in some games where he needs to flex, I believe he's shown the capacity to flex. Right, I just think we need him to flex a little bit more in circumstances like Chelsea. 
Yeah, um, that I'd say the Chelsea game is probably the only mistake he made. And obviously it's yeah. hindsight as well, but he could have probably just taken the doggy off at half-time, considering he wasn't even fit to start really anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think not compromising on these philosophies could well see us um, break our trophy duck within the next few seasons. I mean, if Horsham FC can get to the second round of the FA Cup, why can't we get to a final? Um, that's all I'll say. So... Yeah, with that and the Man City game coming up, uh, what would be your lineup? Because I'm, I think I'm settled on an unchanged lineup, other than Basuma now coming in for the injured Ben Zanko. Same, same. I would, I would keep the same team, the same team. Um, obviously, yeah, like you said, Basuma swap for for Bentanko. That's that's what I would do. Um, that's definitely what I would do. I think. I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a very tough game for Spurs. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh my god, if he plays a high line, he's crazy. He's crazy. Like he's not going to have a choice." <laughs> are people forgetting the team are playing? He's not going to have a choice um, this game because Man City will have the majority of the ball because they are superb at keeping the ball. They're going to pin Spurs back. So I think you're going to see Spurs defend their box a lot more than you have done this season. And it's not by design. It's because Man City are going to have the ball and we're going to need to protect our goal. However, I do think when they have the ball in their half, I think we're going to see Spurs press. We're going to see Spurs try and set traps, try and put some pressure on Man City to play out. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, they're in at our defence and we need to regroup. And we need to we need to be... I, I just want this team to be to be something that they weren't against against Aston Villa, which is clinical. We need to be clinical in this game of football, right? Because if we're going to tussle, right, we need to take our chances because this isn't like Aston Villa. They've got guns that are bigger than our guns. They've got shotguns. We've got, I don't know, I don't, I'm not going to call it water guns. We've got um, pistols. Is it pistols? Yeah. We've yeah. got pistols. they got shotguns, right? So we need to do some damage with our pistols, right? We need to do like a, you know, was it wanted where that guy shot that bullet and it went through like three pieces? <laughs> <laughs> he just curves the bullets. Curve, we need to curve our bullets, man. We need to take our chances. We need to be clinical, man. Because... I need Edison to still be having nightmares about Sun. Yeah. Sun's got a pretty good record against them. I, I think obviously last season, last season was the first season in a minute where he's not scored in any of the games we've played against Man City home and home and away. So um, it'll be interesting, man. Listen, Man City are the overwhelming favourites. And with the injuries, it's not looking likely that Spurs are going to win this game of football. But stranger things have happened. So let's let's see, man. Let's see. Let's see what we let's see what we can do. Um, nobody's gonna kill Antipostokoglu if Spurs lose this game of football because it wasn't a game that Spurs. I don't think many Spurs fans expected to win. Maybe that's the wrong mentality to have, but it's just the reality. And I just yeah. think so early on into his reign at Spurs, um, a couple of I've seen a couple of Spurs fans say this on Twitter, and I echo their thoughts. The first season for me, right, is more around substance. Is more about style. Style. I think style should take more of a priority over over black and white results, right? We're trying to change our way of playing. I think it's been great that the results have come with the style so quickly, but we also need to remember that the style was the, one of the most important things before a ball was kicked this season. We need us to transition from a team who have who have prioritised what we do off the ball to becoming a team that prioritises what we do on the ball. And that's not something that is quick, even if the results show it. Like, it takes time. So I would much rather see our manager continue to play a way that maintains what he's trying to do this season. When you get that nailed and you bring some more players, then you can be a bit more flexible. Then I want to see you mix it up. If we get Champions League football and you're playing that way and you know the team's going to export you five, six, seven, eight times, then you tweak, right? But right now, I don't want to hear anything about, oh, change X, Y, Z. Like, yeah, we can flex, but ultimately... I want this manager to stamp his imprint on this team. And if that means we go to Man City and we press high, so be it. So be it. I still think we'll lose, but we'll forget about it. Forget about the loss. And I think it'll be about 3-1, but I think it'll be 1-1 and then they'll just kill us off late. We'll see, man. We'll see. Listen, we lost the, we lost the game. 
we lost the game 4-2 last season playing after going to um, the up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing a, I mean, playing a, a defensive style. Even though first half we were, we were actually okay, but Man City were really poor. But the second game we played, we went where we beat them 1-0 at home. We did some of the things that Ange Postacoglu is probably going to do at the Etihad, which is try and press Man City high. Like, how many turnovers did we have in the first half? Even our first goal against Man City at home last season was as a result of us putting pressure higher up the pitch on Man City, on players like Rico Lewis... Rodri, and it culminated in a goal. So let's see what we can do, man. Let's yeah. see what we can do. So I think you already baited out your your score prediction, um, but I want you to to stamp it again for the for the listeners, bro. What what, what score are you going with? Yeah, I think it'll be a three-one loss, but it'll be a three-one moral victory. My head is but telling I'll me I'll pay for a three-one loss. Yeah, my head is telling me 3-1 loss, but I'm still going to stick with 2-2, man. I'm still going to stick with 2-2. Um, people who are viewing, I think that is it for us today. Sorry for the very late pod, but it is what it is. Um, please make sure that you're following us across all socials. New Spurs order one word on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Instagram. Whoa, on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitter. Um, make sure you're following the main social media handle for the Touchline Media Group, which is Touchline Fracas or Fracker, one word, on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Um, we've got the main pod coming up tomorrow, so that should be spicy. Unfortunately, we nobody can make it from the Spurs side, so no one's going to be there to represent us. I just hope that they don't, they're not too critical, but you never know, man. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure to continue to like, share and subscribe with all the content we're putting out. Uh, look out for the pod as well on Patreon. If you're if you're trying to listen to this pod without any sort of ads, hop on our Patreon. It's not, it doesn't cost a lot. Hop on the Patreon, um, become a patron and and get some of the cool content we put out there as well. We're gonna be doing we're gonna be bringing back post-match ratings as well. So yeah, man, get involved, get involved. Um, Owen, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for hopping on on this on this very cold Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, people, yeah. take care. We'll, we'll see you soon. And up the Spurs. Big up, Ghana. <laughs> Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.